The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guest is one of Irish motorsport's fastest rising stars, Kaylee Cole, who joins me on the Big Red Bench to talk about her stellar 2023 season, racing in the Irish and UK F1000 Championships, and fantastic news about some of her new sponsorship deals. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to review the Canadian Grand Prix and has all the latest Formula 1 off-track headlines. Munster Women's Rugby expert Wendy Keenan is back with another action-packed segment reviewing a stellar season for adult and schoolgirls rugby in the province. And finally, I speak to Cork Senior Camogie manager Matthew Toomey plus inter-county players Saoirse McCarthy and Amy O'Connor following the Rebels' All-Ireland Championship victory over Down. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport Podcast. ICCR Formula Bosch Championship and Formula 1000 UK Championship driver Kaylee Cole is this week's Big Red Bench VIP guest. The 19-year-old from Dripsy is enjoying a stellar season, attracting increased sponsorship and making a name for herself in the ultra-competitive Formula 1000 Championships both here in Ireland and the UK. Now, it is a real thrill to welcome back one of our favourite guests here on the Big Red Bench, uh, a rising star of motorsport here from Dripsy in County Cork. She's already been nominated as one of the seven top drivers as Young Driver of the Year and finished in the top four in 2022. She's a monster karting championship winner. She's a 2021 Formula 1000 Novice Championship contender. She's a winner as well, 2019 Tully Allen Karting Champ. And she's just about doing everything you could possibly put, fit into a young 19-year-old's life. And that is Kaylee Cole. Kaylee, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while, but a lot, a lot has been happening. Now, I've introduced what you've achieved already at the age of 19, which is fantastic for a young female <laughs> Uh, motorsport driver but at the moment you're involved in two specific championships one here the ICCCR Formula Boss and one across the water uh, with the UK Championship the Formula 1000 Swallowville Homes tell us how that is going and how you're managing um, to, de- to to race in two separate championships um, yeah no it's it's going absolutely fantastic better than you know me and my family would ever imagined um, we we didn't really think that we could have done both. We're kind of dipping in and out of the UK just for a bit of seat time and gaining a lot of experience from that. And um, we're kind of mostly concentrating on the ICCR. Um, I've done two two rounds of the ICCR now. Um, I've won three out of four races and came second in one of them. Um, one of them was actually one of the rounds was actually last weekend. So we're leading the championship in the Formula Boss, which is absolutely amazing. Never thought I would have gone into this year leading it. Um, and then in the Swallow Hill Homes Championship, where, you know, we're getting into the top 10, which is really, really good as well. Um, your car, what kind of speeds do you get up to? And what kind of speeds are we talking about going? I mean, you've been, you've raced on some of the really great, the greatest British tracks yeah. around the Irish ones. But what kind of, just for people who don't know, in a Formula 1000 car especially, what kind of speeds are you getting up to? Um, so it's actually a bike engine in it. It's um, an R1 Yamaha bike engine for anyone that would, you know, know their engines or whatever, but it gets up to around, the quickest track I've been around would probably be the Silverstone GP track where the F1 is on. 
Um, we probably would have got up to around a hundred between 148 to 152 miles per hour, so it's, it's pretty quick. <laughs> but I love the way you said drivers, yeah, that's pretty quick 148, pretty 152. Quick. <laughs> yeah, just flick of the hair, no problem at all. Um, you've had a very, very positive season, and you wouldn't be where you are without the sponsors that you currently have. I want to talk about the current sponsors and the people and, yeah. the, and the companies that have helped you get here. Who are those people? Um, so over the years there's been many many companies and like you know if it was for me to name everyone out it would be an absolute long long list but for the people that have you know support me this year I've had a few new people on board and um, one of them would be Neville Jewelers she'd be a well-known you know jewelry in court jewelry shop in court and um, so that's it's huge to have them on board I have you know Mark Coveney and I have you know Noel Roddy supporting me and um, I have you know Lulu's coffee shop um, CB Tool Hire. I have all these, all these companies, and you know, there's so, so many more. And um, I also have Ed Signs in Tremor Road. He's sponsoring me, you know, a lot of my livery and a lot of my coverage banners and stuff like that. So there's so many people helping me this year to make it possible. And you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for them. Yes, and and a big thank you to all those people and those companies for getting behind you because clearly the talent is there, Kayleigh, with the results that you've got, the championships that you're leading. Yeah. But you've had an even bigger and more positive bounce and good news because you attended the Cork Summer Show um, recently. Tell us how that went, but yeah. also tell us about the latest and uh, pretty groundbreaking news that you've got, a real positive for your career. Um, so last Friday, I got a phone call. Um, I was actually working all week um, and I got a phone call when I got home um, from a honestly absolute legend. Um, his name is Lawrence. Um, he's from Balling College. He's like one of the best sim racers. Um, I, if I'm being honest, I had never really heard much of Lawrence. Um, didn't even know he had existed Like to be one of the top sim racers in Ireland. Um, and he's only local to me in Balling College. Um, so he basically gave me a phone call. He had been talking to me through the week about my racing and like, you know, what I, what kind of sim setup I had. So like, you know, the simulators that you'd practice, you know, do your training for before you go on track before weekend. Um, I'd only have like kind of a basic sim setup. It wouldn't be anything big that, you know, most racing drivers would do. Um, so he had been asking me about my career, etc. Um, so on the phone call on Friday night, um, he had basically told me that, he had been building a, C, a PC for me, so an actual amazing simulator that, you know, no, like, you know, a lot of people find hard to, you know, even get the chance to even get a go off one. Um, so he has been building a PC for me at his house um, and he had been posting it all over social media and it's been like a massive secret. But not only that, he's also set up a GoFundMe page um, to also help me. Um, fund some tyres and fuel towards my race season this year and um, him and also the Potato Nation community um, and all the sim racers around the world um, it's, it's gone absolutely through the roof I didn't expect it to get as big as it is um, but it, it's still going and it's absolutely unbelievable and I honestly didn't have any words on the phone call on Friday night I didn't know what to say <laughs> Well I, I think it's well deserved and I think Lawrence um, Dussault I might be mispronouncing his surname here Dussault as well who is a sim racer and sim racer for people who don't know simulation racing this is where you simulate as close as possible the cockpit uh, experience for a Formula 1 driver with yeah. and do it on a computer on a very very powerful computer that you need to do that to do it very quickly yeah. and get up to those speeds but for this and for the GoFundMe page which is going really well for you as well this is just such a great boost but it's deserved Kaylee, because you put huge how much time and effort 
goes into this away from the track because I follow you on Instagram and I see you in the gym <laughs> quite a lot. And look, yeah. it's, it's a real dedication to this and you, you are putting yeah. everything you've got. Yeah, you know, like, you know, it, it, it's a hard sport to be in mentally and physically. You know, I, I struggle at the start of the year to, you know, actually get up and, you know, focus and stuff like that and, you know, keep pushing. Like, you know, you're always going to have them knocks where, you know, you might not be on track the following weekend, but, you know, you shouldn't let that stop you. Like, you know, I'm, I'm determined to do well in the, in the motorsport world. And, you know, these kind of things that Lawrence and, you know, the Potato Nation community are doing, you know, that's put a huge step in my career that I would have never imagined I would have had this year. And, you know, even at the Cork Summer Show this weekend, the amount of people I met that are so interested in my racing and that knew me that I didn't have a clue that would have known me and they follow my motorsport journey and like little kids and stuff like that. And, you know, it's so appreciated. Like, you know, I wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't have the support on the social media and, you know, the support from these kind of people. You know, these have all helped. Like, I am I know I'm the driver and I know I have to put the hard work in and all these gym things that I do, it's, you know, it's completely that's what I want to focus on and you know try and push a career in motorsport but you know a lot of people have helped me get here as well Do you have a favourite track Kaylee? because I know a lot of drivers like the, the specific tracks that suit their particular style but is there one um, that you look forward to the most? If I'm honest like I have there's a few tracks that I absolutely love I love the more technical tracks rather than the straight line speed tracks because I, you know I come from karting so it, you know a lot of the karting tracks would have been technical so when I go to the likes of one of my favourite tracks would be Brand Patch over in the UK down London Way. Um, another one would be like Olsen Park or Donington. And I even love M- Mandelo up in, in Ireland as well. You know, these are all like technical tracks that I love. More of the, the straight line speed tracks like Silverstone, it wouldn't be one of my favourites. It's, it's more like all speed. Um, I like the more the challenging ones. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second. Um, look, <laughs> things are going really well for you. Uh, you're involved in two championships at the moment. It is quite... Uh, quite a commitment uh, a lot of money involved as well um, the yeah. GoFundMe page is there you've got the additional boost now as well but talk to me about uh, who your biggest supporter is and how he helps and has pushed you and that's your dad um, my biggest supporter would have to be my dad um, you know since I started you know he's my mechanic he's kept me running you know I, if I didn't have you know if my dad who he was if my dad is uh, if my dad wasn't who he was and didn't have that mechanical mind, I wouldn't be racing or where I am now because, you know, obviously to go with teams and stuff like that, it's, you know, extra expenses. So, you know, we keep the cost down. You know, he's always there on race weekends and trying to get me out. So he would definitely be, you know, the person that I'd, you know, have to thank the most and, you know, the guy that's been there since day one and helping me push. But another guy would definitely be Noel Roddy. He's actually managing me at the moment. Um, he's pushing to get me opportunities in the motorsport world and, you know, he's definitely making them come true. <laughs> he certainly is. And listen, um, we've always been a big supporter of you here on the Big Red Bench, especially in the Women in Sport podcast and watching your yeah. career since the early days. Um, it is yeah. fa- it's fantastic. I have to ask though, because I don't see enough young female drivers like yourself. And is, <laughs> is the reality, Kaylee, that it's just, you know, things are changing. You know, there's, there's simulators yeah. going to schools. There's more, it's certainly more positive and there's certainly like the W Series and always gone by the wayside. But there's a lot of female drivers in the news more than there yeah. ever was. What would you say to a young girl that has any kind of interest in motor racing and might want to see what it's about? How can they take their first step in it and what, who, what should they do? Um. A lot, like I get a lot of girls messaging me on social media, even coming up to me in person some days, you know, when I'm on track racing, asking me, look, how will I get into the motorsport? You know, it's, 
it's a hard thing to get into. It's you know, it's a tough, it's a challenge. It's you know, it's something that it's not easy. Um, you know, but you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But my, one of my main things I say to you know, not even girls, but little boys as well that you know want to get into motorsports that you know don't have. Luckily, I had that family background to you know help me and push me get into it. Um, but for kids that don't have it, or you know, even like girls at fourteen, fifteen that don't have it, and they love just racing love race cars one of the main things i tell them to do is you know whether that be cars or karting you know get involved get you know get chatting to people go to race weekends you know ask some questions and you know there's always there's nothing's impossible you know you, you there's always a way that you know something can be solved in getting into it um you know obviously it's a lot of money to get into it and stuff like that but honestly just get to the paddock get chatting to people and there's always something something that'll help out whether that be me or someone else there's always someone yeah that's very well said and look it's great to hear somebody like yourself so young being so successful so early in her career the best days are all ahead of you and I'm delighted absolutely thrilled that this new boost and and remember there's a GoFundMe page we'll put a link somewhere to on our social media channels to let people know how they can help you out but what's next now what's in the immediate future for you Kayleigh um, looking at my future now, um, you know, I have ambitions, I have dreams of where I want to go. Um, where I'm now with single seaters, I like where what I'm doing with the championships. You know, there's obviously I'm just kind of you have kind of be in the right place, right time. My amb- ambitions where I want to go, I'd love to do something along the lines of GT racing over in the UK or even Europe. Um, I basically want to put a stamp for Ireland. You know, for myself. You know, all the hard work I've been putting in over the years. I just want to go internationally and, you know, I want to be, you know, that professional racing driver for Ireland. And, you know, there's not many racing drivers in Ireland that, you know, get that chance to go internationally. So uh, what I want to do is go down the GT line, whether that be single series GT. I just want to, you know, be racing and get to a high level to, you know, support everyone else. Uh, excellent stuff I've no doubt that uh, those targets are going to be met it's, uh, sooner rather than later before I let you go Kelly, where can people who have heard about you now and may have heard a bit about you but don't want, want to learn more where can they find you across social media um, so you can find me on Instagram Facebook and Twitter I even have TikTok I feel like that's like so popular now it's worth saying <laughs> um, but it's Kales underscore Cole underscore racing um, it's all the same on all social media platforms Kayleigh Cole, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you once again. We're delighted to see that your career's upward trajectory is continuing and accelerating, if I could use that pun. Brilliant to see the new injection of sponsorship as well. And any companies out there that have heard this interview and want to get behind a real star in the making, Kayleigh Cole, hopefully, hopefully soon we will hear even more good news from you. And we're going to keep track of you here on the Big Red Bench and we'll catch up with you again before the season concludes. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's always good talking to you. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Resident Cork's Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to review the Canadian Grand Prix. Sarah talks about Red Bull Racing reaching 100 Formula One race wins, Max Verstappen continuing his 2023 hot streak, Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso rolling back the years with a cracking jewel, Ferrari's pit stop strategy paying off, 
a bittersweet Grand Prix for Mercedes and the W Series announcing it has gone into administration. Delighted to welcome back onto the big red bench our resident Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley to dissect a very entertaining Canadian Grand Prix weekend which ended with the inevitable winner but there was a lot of uh, interesting storylines just behind eventual winner Max Verstappen. Sarah first of all you're very welcome back to the bench how are you? Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm. Uh, I did. I did say on Saturday or Sunday that it, it could be spicy, and uh, it it delivered. I think to, to be fair, it was a pretty entertaining weekend. Yeah, you like that term spicy. You use it quite a lot, and let's use it in yeah. a positive sense here. First of all, because before we get into the talking points, one of the things that I'll remember from this particular Grand Prix was a bit of old school uh, wheel to wheel racing between uh, two of the best in the business, and Lewis Hamilton, and Fernando Alonso, and it was uh, made for excellent TV. It was brilliant and it was clean. It was fair. Uh, you know, Alonso at the end of the day did end up having a, a faster car. So once he passed Lewis, he did build out a bit of a gap. And then we had that all unreal chasing period where it will he, won't he. Hamilton got within 1.4 seconds. But to be fair, Alonso was, was lifting and coasting. You know, he was managing his brake temperatures for quite a while. And I think we really saw the difference between the pace of the Aston Martin and the Mercedes when he would no longer had to manage mm. that because he did build out, you know, a fairly comfortable gap after that. So I think it's good in the sense that, you know, we're getting some genuine battles, like you say, with really talented drivers behind Max Verstappen. And I think that's what we've been missing until Mercedes kind of got these upgrades going and actually brought themselves properly into that battle with Aston Martin. So it's it's great to see. It's great for, for the sport. Yeah, it certainly is. I think probably what helped it, I would imagine you'd agree, uh, a huge amount of respect between Alonso and Hamilton from down through the years. That helps when you're going wheel to wheel. When you see all the incidents that are occurring, maybe there wasn't as much respect between other drivers. Had that been Verstappen and Hamilton, I don't know, would we have had a, a cleaner race? Um. <laughs> no comment. I think we'll uh, we'll park that one. Spicy. We we'll leave it at spicy. Whole, that would have yeah, been spicy. We'll do a whole episode on that. Um, no, I think the Alonso Hamilton one is funny because obviously, you know, they started off on very bad mm. terms, and there was kind of bad blood on and off over the years. And I think it happens. You know, when you're when you think you're the best, and someone else thinks they're the best. You know, Fernando Alonso definitely has that attitude. Has always had it, no matter where he's been running on the grid. And I think deservedly he's you know he's still there 41 years of age I think he is now still competing at the top of of a sport that at the end of the day there's only 20 drivers there every year and he's he's still there you know two decades later so um some respect but also I think a little Hmm. they have their their fun with each other little jibes here and there they certainly do, but it made for good TV, as we said, and badly needed too. I mean, we, we don't have time to go into the whole qualification. You cover that on the big red bench on the radio on Corkshire FM over the weekend very well. Um, and just the difficulty that drivers had with the torrential conditions at certain stages. Mm. But again, we finish a Grand Prix weekend with Max Verstappen having won. We hardly saw him on TV, so so dominant was he. But I think achieving 100 race wins um, and getting up onto that leaderboard alongside some very pretty... Uh, you know, one one of the the all time great in my eyes, uh, Ayrton Senna. You know, it was a, I think his after race comments were kind of very subdued. I think he understood the magnitude of just what he had achieved, which I think was good for him. It's, it shows a bit of character building. But a hundred race wins for Red Bull and Verstappen, like just unstoppable in that car right now, sir. Absolutely, yeah. As you said, he kind of it's become the norm now, almost on a Grand Prix, at least on a Sunday. You know, he sort of jets off 
generally has started either first or second jets off and we kind of wait to see what happens behind him <laughs> and you know I mean even after one of the restarts he had pulled out a, a more than two second gap within five laps and it's at times he was even complaining about his hard tires but he was still able to pull out a gap to Alonso behind him you know he's sort of in that he's really in his own bubble right now and you know that that tally of race wins and the streak that he's on and the fact that Red Bull have won literally every race this season is really incredible and it the whole team to be fair deserves plaudits I I think there will always be a question mark over I think it's a shame but there will always be a question mark over so far both of the championships that Max has won and also there will be a question mark over the dominance of this Red Bull because they did breach the cost cap so I think they almost they almost have to keep going at this level to kind of justify that yes this was not a fluke or you know we really do this is based on talent and you have to say so far that they're proving it they are it's just a consistency as we said the podiums and the finish and once they once they steer clear of the dirty air once they steer clear of anything that's going on at the, at the front it's really up to themselves and it's, it's just about not making mistakes i think verstappen's confidence levels as you've said before are now he he looks and walks and drives like a world champion he didn't all the time at the start but he certainly no. does now and I think um, understanding where he is understanding his role and, and I think he's kind of pretty much Sergio Perez was disappointing this weekend for me and I think in fact that he's pushed him back a little bit after it looked like you know the Mexican was going was going to catch him there one stage might be a rival for him I think he just has an air of arrogance that you need as a world champion you you've, you've earned it I don't mind that um it's just when you you know you have to you have to kind of keep your p's and q's and understand and be respectful when you need to be and I, I think he's learning I think he's learning that I think he's he's growing on me a bit more the more I listen to him he was somebody I didn't particularly want to listen to a lot of the time you know he was he was max he was just you know he was very very arrogant overly arrogant without having anything to back it up but no man does he does he have that now and am I right does he look and sound like a world champion and he's certainly driving like one I think so, yeah. And I think, you know, Sebastian Vettel, I would say, was someone of a similar mould who kind of, when he came in and obviously had his winning streak with Red Bull four world championships in a row early on in his career, he was super confident and quite cocky and, you know, kind of nobody could really tell him anything. And, um, you know, he mellowed massively over the years. And as you say, kind of just started to understand, I suppose, how you are meant to behave and the you know you're kind of in rarefied air at that point and and I think it's right that that they behave in a certain way because it's it's setting a good example for for other people coming into the sport and you know it's giving them something something to really aim to aim for and uh, as you said unfortunately on the flip side of the garage Sergio Perez is really struggling um he was a non-entity for the entire weekend and I Personally, I could be wrong, but I, I personally think that his title race is more, is now run for this year. I, I don't think he'll be able to pull it back. Alonso is actually now only nine points behind him in the Drivers' Championship and in much better shape. I think potentially Perez could actually drop to three P, P3 in the Championship at the next race in Austria. Yeah, I, I don't think I think that's fair. I think um, you know when you, when you get a taste of getting close to the number one driver, you've got to you've got to add consistency. You've got to be cutthroat, and you've got to be no matter what the track, no matter what conditions. Paris just wasn't on it this weekend. He couldn't find the pace that his teammate had. He was fifty one seconds behind at the end. Like I mean, come on, like I mean, you you still want to be within thirty seconds. That, that that's a minimum, I would imagine, in an Adrian Newey design car. And considering, but this again reflects better on Verstappen because it shows that 
irrespective of the weather conditions, irrespective of the track conditions, irrespective of the circuit, you know, deliver, deliver, deliver. And he's done that. And I think, I think Perez's struggles are only going to, you know, uh, enhance Verstappen's legacy even more. But as you said, we're going to have to watch that over the coming weeks. A bit of pressure now. Let's see what Perez can do. A bit of good news for Ferrari, uh, fourth and fifth for Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr. Yeah, it looked like a very risky call not to pit when the full safety car came out, you know, not super early, but relatively early in the race. They were obviously, you know, it was just the the two Ferraris and Perez essentially decided that they were going to prioritise track position over fresh tyres. And you have to say it was a good strategy call. You know, we question Ferrari a lot. I think everyone questions Ferrari a lot at this point, but they really did make the right call there. And I think it saved their weekend because... Obviously, you know, Leclerc was kind of just middle of middle of the road again. And then you had Carlos Sainz crashing his car earlier on in the weekend. And I think that that strategy call genuinely saved their weekend because I think it could have looked very different. They were both kind of just down the down the wrong end of the, the top 10 and would have been looking at a much lower points tally. So I think double points finish in you know in a relatively good position did they have any major fights not necessarily but i think they will be quietly happy i think with with this weekend yeah i think that i would agree with you 100% there i think we've we've criticized them enough about uh, getting pit lane um conundrums incorrect in, in, in the past i think they've learned from it that was a really ballsy and a smart thing to try and do it worked and you know I think the boost of confidence let's see it let's carry that into Austria now into the to the Red Bull ring I think it might suit the Ferrari if I'm correct we'll wait and see uh, when it comes around but yeah good for them that they got the, those podium positions one thing on Mercedes we talked about Lewis Hamilton and the excellent dice that he had with at the top uh, with Fernando Alonso but his teammate George Russell I was watching this and for me, it was a driver error. He lost control. There didn't seem to be anybody around him. He hit the side, did a lot of damage. Mm. A rare error from somebody that you just assume a consistency, momentum, everything. But he's, he's having a good season. What's gone wrong? Yeah, it was definitely driver error. I think uncharacteristic as well. You know, he, he had been strong throughout the weekend and looked good, looked relatively comfortable. You know, he wasn't under any massive pressure and I think it it could just be one of those things. It could just be genuinely a mistake or maybe he is starting to feel that, okay, I have the same car as Lewis. We're finally up there with a fighting chance and maybe he's putting pressure on himself and maybe it got to him there just in a moment. But it was definitely strange and, you know, he he struggled really after that and it was going to be very hard to to pull that much space back you know that gap was was massive so I think it just it just didn't look great and you know he you can tell also with a driver when they come on the radio after something like that if there's anything to blame other than themselves (laughs) they will blame it um I think that's fair to say but he straight away was just like look I'm so sorry and you know even later on he just kept apologizing so I think he understood that it was it was on him this time I don't think we'll see too many of those from George Russell, but definitely interesting that it kind of has happened to him at this particular time. Yeah, as you said, like he is very, he has been consistent. He's Mr. Consistency this year, uh, outshining Lewis Hamilton in the early races when he was struggling for pace and struggling to get his setups correct. You know, Russell was a real white 
shining beacon for Mercedes. So very surprising to see that, but hopefully, you know, he can rectify that and do it and answer it in the, uh, the next day out. Final topic this week, Sarah, is a disappointing one. It's a sad one. It's something that you've talked uh, very passionately about and you've followed and you've covered on your social media accounts, and that's the W Series. But it looks like it's the end of the road. Yeah, so we had kind of spoken a couple of times that there had been radio, radio silence from the W Series about coming back in 2023 after unfortunately having to cut their pre- previous season short and it's now been announced that they have gone into administration. We knew that they were in, you know, significant financial troubles, but I definitely didn't think it was administration level troubles. Um there, you know, there was kind of a glimmer of hope in the announcement that said that they could possibly come back at some point in the future. But I think if the F1 Academy manages to make a better go of it than the W Series did, which I think it will, I don't see there being two female only racing series. I actually think that would possibly be a bit counterproductive. We're not there yet. And I don't know that's the right thing, but definitely really disappointing news and you know for all the fantastic people that worked there obviously it's um it's a really tough end to to what should have been a you know much longer lasting legacy I would say. Yeah as you said there's no real nothing more to add to that except hopefully hopefully uh, something good will come out of it lessons will be learned and uh, you know it's not the end of the actual idea behind it um something very very important for motor racing in general. We finished this week, just a quick recap of the Canadian GP. Max Verstappen in the Red Bull finishing in 1 hour 33 and 58 minutes, 25 points for him, Alonso in second in the Aston Martin, Lewis Hamilton third uh, in the Mercedes, and then the two Ferraris, Leclerc and Sainz Jr., rounding off the top five. What that means for the Formula 1 standings, uh, unsurprisingly, Max Verstappen way out in front, 195 points from six wins and eight podiums. Sergio Perez, his teammates still hanging in there in second place on 126, being chased down now, though, by the uh, Alonso in the Aston Martin. Lewis Hamilton as well in fourth on 102 points and Carlos Sainz Jr. on 68 just ahead of George Russell in the Mercedes the Constructors Championship for God's sake you know the story 8 wins 12 podiums you know who's number 1 it's all over forget about it um, our next Grand Prix is the Austrian GP at the Red Bull Ring on Sunday the 2nd of July with a 2pm start we will be looking ahead to that and previewing it uh, on the big red bench in the coming weeks but in the interim Sarah McKenzie Foley Formula 1 expert where can people find your uh, coverage and what have you got coming up on your social media channels yeah so you can find me on Twitter at MacTweets underscore generally live tweet all the way through the race weekends and you can also find me on YouTube if you search Sarah McKenzie F1. I've got a, an interesting video coming out soon about whether or not F1 is actually still on the top step of the podium. I think IndyCar is definitely coming for that title so going to be chatting about that. Looking forward to that. Okay and we can talk about that as well certainly but for now uh, from everybody here in the big red bench thank you once again Sarah McKenzie Foley and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks dear. The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM Munster women's rugby expert Wendy Keenan is back on the Big Red Bench to talk about a terrific season for the province's adult club teams and all those who brought home silverware We also talk about the explosion in interest at schools level and the growing number of schoolgirls taking up rugby Wendy also announces the Munster women's rugby players who have been selected for the Irish women's under 18 rugby sevens training squad now, here on the Big Red Bench, we're delighted to be joined by our resident Monster Women's Rugby and all things women's rugby expert, Wendy Keenan, who's back to tell us uh, some very, very good news about uh, a recent call-ups for Monster players in the Irish under 18 sevens. And also, we're going to recap what was an absolutely fantastic year for Monster Women's Rugby at both adult and schools level. Wendy, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are things? Great. I'm delighted to be back. Thanks a million, especially with good news. 
Yes, let's start with that really, really good breaking news. I wish I had the uh, the drop, the sound drop, but I don't. But you have some very, very good news about five Munster players who are going to represent their country very shortly. Well, well, hopefully they'll make it through to the to the last call up. But we're talking about the Ireland under eighteen girls seven squad. Uh, so a panel of eighteen players has been selected. And they'll attend a series of national training camps at um, well, three, which will be at the IRFU High Performance Centre. And there'll be 12 pairs, players selected um, to compete in the Rugby Europe Women's Under-18 European Championship in Prague on the 15th and 16th of July. So they've selected, um, you know, 18, there's uncapped players there. And there's also players who featured for Ireland, the both uh, sevens and 15s. And you're right, we have Munster, have five girls in that squad. Um, so they are, I'm going to name them because it's very important. Anna Roche from Balancholic. Katrina Finn, who's UL Bowes, uh, Balanakalaloo. Lucia Ling, we're claiming her as her own because she's ex-Dolphin, but uh, moved with her family back to England. So she's Loughborough now. Uh, Lindsay Clark from Ennis and Neve Crotty from Dolphin. So congratulations to those girls um, for being selected. They'll be in their first camp um, in this month, right, in the next uh, couple of days, so the 25th of June. Their second camp, they're off to France and they'll be in the High Performance Centre for four days in France before returning to Ireland for two final camps in Dublin. There'll be 12 girls selected and they will represent Ireland and look, fingers crossed, there's a lot of talent inside there in that in those five players. Uh, we'll have a few girls wearing the green jersey and it'll be absolutely fabulous. And no doubt those girls will be motivated, motivated by watching um you know their role models the the senior team who qualified for the olympics so um yeah great news it certainly is this is significant as well i mean hopefully each of those five will make the final cut it's going to be very very tight as you said for such a small squad but the significance of being exposed to those high performance environments and the significance of being exposed to not just high performance but intense high quality training by you know real this is the real hardcore, if you want to use a really crude term, even at 18, to try and make it on a pathway to make it onto an international squad. Whether they make it or not, Wendy, we hope that they do. They're going to benefit from these next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be rubbing shoulders with everybody up in the, the high performance unit. And that is huge to the girls. And it'll set out the expectations from them, not only from the on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Um, and then they'll have the nutrition advice and they'll have the SNC advice, top coaching in the roles that they play um, with on the, you know what I mean, on the pitch. And um, and I always say that has a ripple effect because those girls will go back to their clubs and to their friends and they'll share the knowledge that they'll have got at the high performance centres. And that helps to lift the levels even when they go back to their own clubs, which is really important. I mean, it's a very exciting time for them, you know what I mean, to be, you know what I mean, a young girl and potentially, you know, representing your your country in Prague in July. Um so, yeah, it, I mean, it's fantastic. It is absolutely great. And um, I'd love if all five were selected. And, and that's what we'll be hoping for. But, um, you know, that's really important that the exposure that they get to the top coaches, the earlier that happens, the better in terms of player development. Yeah, very well said. And we wish them each of those five players all the very best over the next couple of weeks. And we'll keep tabs on how they are getting on and also how the Irish under-18 girls squad do in Prague when the sevens tournament comes around. Now, the last time we spoke, we recapped what has been a fantastic year for Munster Women's Rugby by talking about all the Munster teams and the Irish representations across the province, both at all the underage grades and at the senior grades and what a great year it was. We talked about the minis, which has been a huge success and continues to grow from strength to strength. And we also talked about the youths and 56 
56 teams, 56 young girls teams competing in youth rugby to spend 1,237 registered players on team sheets as well. What a, a huge snowball effect it was. But this week, I want to talk about two sp- two specific subjects, but one I know that's very close to your heart as well. And that's the success story of 2022-2023, I think, in my opinion, for Monster Women's Rugby, above all others, without being you know, downgrading anything that occurred at the other grades. But what happened with the schools this year, Wendy, and what's happening within girls' schools and girls' rugby, Monster Girls' Rugby is absolutely fantastic. Give us some of the facts and figures and tell me why schools were so important and are so important as part of the pathway as well. Yeah, I suppose I, I've described it as many times as, a, as an explosion of schools, girls, uh, rugby. And, and that's exactly what it has been. Over 50 schools participated in events at junior and senior level throughout the year. And when I say events, I'm talking about tag rugby, X7s, X11s and at 15 aside. And if you break that down even further, we had 35 junior school teams participating in events and 17 senior school teams um, participating in events. And that excludes, I suppose, in uh, you know schools that have started off rugby but weren't ready yet to to compete at events, but hopes to do so next year. I suppose the highlight really would have been the junior and senior uh, cup final day in Musgrave Park, where St Dan's Community College did the double. They defeated Colossus Eda Dingle in the junior cup final, and in the senior cup final, they defeated Ardsgulvera. Um, you know, in two fantastic matches. And I know I spoke at the time about Colossus Eda Dingle, and we've seen a feature on them. You know. And their principal talking about how important it has been. And when we watched those 15 girls that took to the pitch, not, not to mind the subs, only one of those players was registered with the club at the time. And then we went on to see them represent Munster um, at a different level, you know, later on in the year. So it just shows you, do you know what I mean, that I'm always talking about those transferable skills from other sports and for a school entering the Junior Cup for the first time and getting to the final. I mean, that's wonderful. There's a huge appetite out there in the schools to participate for, for next year. And even this morning, we were exploring the option of actually running a schools league Um definitely probably at junior level and exploring the possibility at senior level starting off you know what I mean at the start of the season in preparation then for the IRFU uh, school sevens over 30 teams attended a competition in Rockwell College lots of girls playing lots of rugby and you know what I mean across all their pitches with the top two junior and senior teams going forward and they represented Munster in the finals event at St Mary's College and um, the two schools were St Anne's Community College Killaloo and Sacred Heart Clannacilty and the junior team from Sacred Heart uh, Clannacilty reached the final of their cup competition they were beaten in, in the final just to show you I mean, how I suppose they have developed throughout the year as well but I mean huge interest in schools again our, 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 our problem is we just don't have the volunteers to be able to get around to all the schools to help with the development of the game but we'll work on it no doubt that you will. Um, just the fact, uh, irrespective of who reached the finals, congratulations to all those clubs that did, or schools that did that, excuse me. Um, 35 junior schools uh, and now 17 senior schools. I mean, and exploring a league, this is the next step up. But the phenomenal growth of it, like this is a summer, Wendy, as we both know, of, of Irish women's soccer. July is going to be taken over by soccer. There's just, and that's, that's across all sports. It's going to be everywhere. We're going to be talking about it. But the World Cup is coming for the men's. And I find that when the Six Nations was on, even the men's Six Nations was on, I noticed a lot more young girls out and about throwing a rugby ball around, something I hadn't necessarily seen before. How important is it that, you know, the schools now becomes 
it's you know, it's been an explosion, but you've got to maintain the level of interest and you've got to attract people to come and coach. How are you going to do that? I suppose, you know, uh, by providing sound competition structures at all level, whether it's an emerging school or a school that now has established their rugby um it's really important. I mean, we don't train to, you know what I mean, train. We train to compete and play matches, you know what I mean, whether it's at sevens, tens, fifteens. And that's how we're developing the game is to provide a couple of different pathways into rugby at schools level and then providing, I suppose, you know, that cup competition, which is really exciting. But now adding on to it in the league and look, we're really hoping that the number of development staff is going to be doubled um, for the coming season. There has been a promise for the IRFU in relation to that. Um, and, and and that's how we develop it, you know what I mean, by supporting the people that are doing the work in the schools as best we can, um, you know, and getting around to those schools um, to do so. And then providing workshops um, around coaching, and then bringing those schoolgirls together for training camps, you know, around best practice, whether it's the Fun Five program, a scrummaging program, you know what I mean, maybe a line-out program. And when we when the staff do those workshops, they bring along the coaches so that we're coaching the coaches in terms of best practices as well. And that's important. Yes, as ever, it sounds like the plan is in place, right? There's a plan there to try and, uh, and build on this. And hopefully, I think if you've half the success you had this year with the schools, Munster Women's Rugby is going to be in a very, very, uh, very healthy place for both junior and senior schoolgirls. More and more coming on stream every year. You're listening to the Big Red Bench. I'm talking to Munster Women's Rugby expert Wendy Keenan, and we're recapping a fantastic year of Munster Women's Rugby in 2023. We've just gone through. The school section, which was huge. And now we're going to finish up by talking about the adult club teams, starting with the participation in the WAIL League and Balancholic Annual Bohemians, Wendy. Yeah, I suppose there are two WAIL clubs um, at the present, our two senior clubs, and they finished in eighth and fourth um, position respectively, Ballincollig in eighth and UL Bowes in fourth. Um, UL Bowes was a runners-up in the cup final. And we have to mention that Skibbereen reached the semi-final stage of the Irish Junior Cup competition as well. And I suppose if we look forward now to the coming season, we'll have the Irish Junior Cup competition for our non-WAIL uh, clubs but we will also have a promotion of another team because as we know that there's nine teams currently participating in the WAIL league it's going to be 10 next season so that'll be a motivating factor for the rest of the clubs I suppose um you know to try and make that that step up into the WAIL um section 12 teams participated in our three conf- uh, three conference league this season and they were Kerry Shannon's Skibbereen, UL Bowes Seconds, Thurless, Waterpark, Balancholic Seconds, Ennis, Mallow, Middleton, Bantry, Bay uh, and Dolphin. Three of those teams were new, Bantry, Ennis and Middleton, and they did very well. 534 registered adult players competing in the six competitions. And if we have time, Jar, I might just name the, the, the winners in relation oh, yeah. to that. Please do. Time to do it. We do. So in our league competition, UL Bowes Seconds came up with uh, runners-up uh, Skibbereen. In our Open Cup competition, UL Bowes Seconds again with runner, runners-up Skibbereen. Division 1 Cup final, we had Kerry taking the honours there over Thurless. In our Division 2 Cup final, we have Ennis Kilrush um, taking the spoils there, runners-up or Middleton. In our Divisional Cup, Kerry came out on top over UL Bowes and seconds. A very exciting match down in Tralee. And our Divisional Bowl competition uh, was Ennis Kilrush um, taking the win there from um, Thurless as runners-up. This, I suppose, structure this year is definitely changing for next year. We're looking at Division 1, 
Division 2, I think I've mentioned it, mm. the regulations across the four provinces are going to be the same for our Division 1 because we are going to have a qualifying competition where one team from the from somewhere in the country is going to be making that step up. Okay, so there's a bit of work to be done between now and then for, for somebody to make that step up. I suppose the big thing, Wendy, is that, look, the interest is there, the club structure, look, there's a sound structure there. And when you see, the, we've talked about it before, and I feel it sounds like a cliche almost, but the breadth of winners and runners-up from across the province is very, very important. Middleton, Thurless, Skib, UL Bowes, Kerry, Ennis Kilrush. This is what you want. You want to grow the game throughout the province. It's easy to say that. Sometimes it's a bit of a soundbite for me. Let's grow throughout the province. Isn't it great? But we're talking about a huge area and a lot of different players. It's not an easy thing to patrol. It's not an easy thing to organise. I fully appreciate that. Um, the two division structure sounds interesting to put it mildly when will we know who that team is that goes up or are there dates around those fixtures yet and they are the season plan is just uh, going out to all the clubs and I'll be able to give you the dates around that um, for next season I suppose you know there will be it's not just about performance about it's about the support structures that you put in place you know within the club they have to have the finances um, mm. to be able to support that WAL team and also then you know your SNC your nutrition your physio all of those aspects become really important and it is expensive it is expensive mm. for a club to field an AIL or a WAL um, team so they must be able to I suppose um, you know ring fence that within the club as well but Heck, it yeah. will give people a taste of what the standard is like, you know, to step mm. up even from the Junior Cup. Skibbereen learned lots of lessons, mm. you know what I mean, from their matches um, that they played. Um, so, yeah, look, it's going to be exciting. It's a motivating factor. And I suppose, you know, while we were saying there's lots happening, those girls are back training in three weeks' time. You know, our Munster team is back training this month, you know, for an Interpros. Okay. You know, it's, you know, all the clubs nominated players into this um you know monster setup so yeah. they're all back training with Neil Briggs now. Um you know what I mean? So there isn't much of a break for these girls, I'm afraid. There isn't, but isn't it great that the opportunity is there for them and the pathway is there and if people and the players that are serious about it and want to make a career out of this potentially have that opportunity to do so now. I mean we're, we're talking today the LGFA, the GAA, there's a lot of unhappy footballers and camogie players out there, but rugby right now is getting its structures right and giving the opportunity to do it. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'm saying at, at a national level, there's a lot of work to be done at rugby too. But if you're prepared, if you've got things down in black and white, if everybody's singing off the same hymn sheet, you get success and you get more and more players coming through. And the proof is in the pudding, Wendy, because look at the registered players across schools, across adult and across minis and across youths. It's growing, growing, growing. And if the structure is right, Players will come on board and over time, hopefully, with a bit of cajoling, we'll get all those coaches and a few more extra uh, development officers as well because you're going to need them. Yeah, and I suppose, look, I'm going to be bold and say, look, you know, we've won the Interpros for the last two seasons. You know, we have two um, two teams who have been playing the WAL. Leinster have a lot more teams playing in the WAIL than we do, but yes, you know what I mean? We have good structures in place and the underneath of the players coming through are really exciting to watch. You know what I mean? We, we've couple of names there that we've we've mentioned Katrina Finn a few times, we've mentioned Lucia Ling, mm. Lindsay Clark, you know what I mean? They're names that we have repeated, you know, several times because they're involved in different camps. So I think, you know what I mean, once we can provide a competitive structure, get your scaffolding right in around the senior team so that the you know what I mean, so that from there coming from the young age up through playing competitive rugby against each other, there's no point in having one strong team in the province. We don't want all our best players playing with the one team because we need to create a competitive structure. And that's, you know, that's where we're back to Division 1 and 2. 
So we need the, the players to stay with their clubs for that to happen. Excellent stuff. Um, great to know that in three weeks' time we'll be into a brand new season here on the bench talking Monster Women's Rugby as well. There was our break on, but sure, we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, listen as ever, thank you for that comprehensive uh, review of a fantastic year. I've no doubt next year's going to be just as big and we're delighted here on the Big Red Bench to continue promoting Monster Women's Rugby and uh, your expertise is helping very much so with that, Wendy. So, uh, Wendy Keenan, thank you for joining us this week and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks a million, Ger. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. The Cork Senior Camogie team got their campaign back on track by defeating Down in last weekend's Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship at Parky Cueve. The game was overshadowed by ongoing dual player issues and I got after-match reaction from Cork players Saoirse McCarthy and Amy O'Connor. But first, here's Cork Senior Camogie manager Matthew Toomey. Uh, Matthew Toomey, first of all, congratulations. This was an important win for Cork today over Down in the Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Camogie Championship. But before we talk about the match, the preparation was overshadowed by the dual player issues once again rearing their ugly head. Now, I know it's been difficult for you. I know it's been difficult for the football setup. What's your take on it today and how happy are you with the two that did play for you? Um, delighted with the two that played for us. Um, I suppose that's with the fear of God. Like when you have some like Libby Coppinger there in the full back line, um, she's irreplaceable in my eyes. Um, if it was very well, but like the, the, the week was tarnished the whole week. Like, do you not, know, Jesus? Uh, I can't wait to get a nice sleep tonight. No, because I, I, I don't mean that kind of. A, it was just a, st- a ridiculous situation again to be in, like for both ourselves and, and for Shane. Um, do you know we're trying to fight all weekend with the WGPA, with the ladies football, and, and then with the Camogie, trying to get some come to some agreement that we were either team willing to go tomorrow or even next week or anything like that. But it, there was no give on anyone. It was just like a game of chess, really. Um, it's very disappointing and then we came to an agreement towards the morning that we take two Libby and Aoife and Shane take two Hannah and Orla and then like what's very unfair then is that Shane was hoping to go up to Galway with four players he ends up with one now Orla can't have broke her foot on, on Thursday night so it's it's just it's mad like, it's, it's, like it's, everyone else in the world can see seems to be that it's an easy fix just communication between them and they, 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 they can't do it like Traditionally, obviously, the Camogies have been on a Saturday and ladies football on a Sunday. I, I see, like, even the fixtures now again for two weeks' time, the same again, they're born on a Saturday. Like, it's just, I, I, I don't know, like, if they don't want two players, maybe come out and say it or something like that. And, and you know, leave the players make a call on it. But the way it's working now, it's just, it's crazy because it's very upsetting from the like, Candle He was fairly down now, leaving down the Camogie today, and, and, and the two girls that were running off there now, going up to God with support their teammates. It's, 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 I don't know, it's mad. Can I just ask you again about Orla Callan's injury? What's the prognosis on that and how long should she be out? Broken foot and we've been told eight to ten weeks. That's a huge hammer blow for both you and the footballers. Absolutely. We're, 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 we have four cruciates. We have two now with both metatarses and we have two ones with cracked um, bones in the foot and all our Cronin's struggling with a lot of injuries. It's just absolutely mad. Like We're just getting no break in this, but all is a huge loss to both squads. She's, like, she's inside her, the brain. She's only 19 years of age, the brain, or not that. Like, but... Look, we're, we're going to try and get everything. I'm going to a father. I don't know. We're, getting, we're just trying to get everything we can in place for it. Trying to get back faster. Like, but at the moment, that's hard out for the year. Okay, let's talk about today's game very briefly. Those three goals in the first half are crucial because don't put it up to you. How happy are you with the way you played in the second half? Though? Good spread of scores and really went for it all the way up to the final whistle. It is, yeah, I think the subs, the bench made, made a big impact when they came in in fairness to them. But, um, I, like, we got three goals, which is great. But I'd, I'd say we left another three or four after us. You know, and that's something we're kind of working on because, look, it's grand today. You know, like, when we're coasting, but there's games where we're going to need a goal to win a game or to get us back into a game. And 
we didn't take those opportunities uh, in the second half, and that's that's disappointing. We, but look, it's something to work on again. We're going into clear game tonight because we we are a knockout now. You know, we've um, potentially four games to go through the whole way, so we have to win every one of them. But Clare's going to be a tough opposition going up to Cusack Park as well. It's going to be tough. So, but look, we we give it two weeks now again, like what we did for the last two weeks, and and, and hopefully. Okay. All the best on that, man. Thanks for talking to us today. Thanks very much. Uh, Saoirse McCarthy, congratulations. That was a hard-earned win, especially in that first half. Don't really put it up to you, but those three goals uh, proved the difference in the end, and you were able to kick on the second half. Yeah, no, I suppose goals is what we've been looking for all year, and it's it's nice to put them in in the park, um, especially which we were kind of expecting them to go very defensive, and maybe we were expecting to get a lot of our scores from outside, but uh, to get those three goals in the first half really settled us, I think, for the rest of the game. Uh, quite a hard, lot of bit of running too today in the middle again. A lot of ground to cover. Don't really, did, as I said, put it up to you. But um, the people that came off the bench made an impact. There were scores off the bench. Good to see that and a good spread of scores overall. Oh yeah, definitely. Like having that that impact off the bench. I, I think Ali got a couple. Uh, Emma got some. Like it's great to have that impact off the bench. And if you can get that every day, like that's what you'd be asking for your subs. And like I think like they're they're not really subs. Like they're finishers and they're there to do a job. And today they did it, and it was great to see. Was there a bit of pressure after the Galway loss coming into this today? I mean, you were expected to win, but was there a little bit more pressure than usual? Um, definitely, yeah. Like, do you know, when you lose the first round of championship, you're obviously under the cosh and you have to win. Like, do you know, um, you can't afford to make another slip up. So I suppose there is a little bit more pressure, but I, we stuck to our guns. We focused on ourselves. And I suppose there was a lot of positives to take from the Galway game as well. I know the result didn't go our way, but like we, we weren't um, going back to the drawing board completely, you know. Clear in two weeks' time. Looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Same again now. Just focus on ourselves. Reset. Like that's parked now. Same as the way the Galway game was parked, and just drive on. Excellent stuff. Thank you, Sir. Best luck on that. Thanks, Mill. Now we're here with the player of the match following today's Glen Diplex All Ireland Camogie Championship clash between Cork and Down. Amy O'Connor. Amy, first of all, congratulations. That was a tough game out there today. Yeah, thanks, William. Um, I suppose we always knew it was going to be a tough game with Down coming down. Um, you know, we knew their style, um, but I suppose the pitch out there really suits us. You know, big wide open pitch, um, so we managed to cope with that. We were under a bit of pressure in the first half, but you know, we had a good spread of scores. You know, Eva Healy came up there with a couple of scores. You know, Sarah McCarthy, we had a good few, uh, good few scores in the second half, and that really benefited us. Uh, you knocked in a goal yourself and took it very well. Pleased with that? Yeah, I was delighted to get a goal. I suppose as a forward, I love getting goals. Uh, I probably get it killed a few times for going for goal too often, but. Uh, no, it's nice to get on score sheet, right? And a word too for Katrina Mackey. Two excellent goals. And those goals, those three goals, especially if it gave it a platform just to go at it in the second half. Yeah, I think the most pleasing thing about the goals is we created a lot of goal, goal opportunities. And, you know, we a lot of people off the shoulder as well. So um, for, for my goals, you know, it could have easily been Katrina's goal. For Katrina's goal, it could have easily been Sorsha. So that was really pleasing for us. Um, I asked Sirsha McCarthy, was there a bit of extra pressure today after the Galway defeat? I mean, you were expected to beat down, but you still got to go out and do it. I suppose you're always under pressure when you're playing in the county. Um, you know, I suppose from now on in it's and from today on it was it was knockout. You know, had we lost, we'd be out of the championship, which obviously isn't ideal. Uh, but that's the structure of the championship now, and you know you're always going to be under pressure. So uh, we just take it game by game, and you know keep enjoying what we're doing. Uh, a lot of toing and froing coming and going with the squad this week and the build up to it and a lot of people coming off the bench putting their hand up for selection you need as many players as you possibly can between here and whenever your championship campaign ends definitely because you don't know what injuries you're going to get you know obviously we have the four girls playing football and um, these games are very intense and you know you're training four or five times a week so you don't know what you're going to pick up um, so it's important that the, the girls that came on today put up their hand and they did you know in fairness to them like Ali Smith always comes on and she, she, she nearly guaranteed three points um, in fairness to her and you know Emma always comes on brings a huge level of energy and speed so you know they're really putting their hands up and it's brilliant to see 
back to the training ground now fortnight's time you've got Clare that's a huge game for Cork in Clare looking forward to that yeah huge game for us um, looking forward to we've had some titanic battles with them over the last year or so um, and we know what they'll bring and they'll know exactly what we'll bring as well so it'll be interesting and you know, we're really looking forward to it Amy thanks for best luck thank you that's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie the Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM